This week, a great piece, at least I think it was a great piece, appeared in the Globe and Mail. It was jointly written by Daniel Venier, who served as a senior advisor to three cabinet ministers in Brian Mulroney's government, and then ran as a liberal candidate in B.C., uh, and Rick Peterson, who ran for the Conservatives twice. So, as you might expect, it's about politics, but it touches on a theme that I like to hammer away on at the, on this show as much as possible. No matter what party you support, I, I firmly believe you're probably going to have more in common with your perceived opponents than you think. Um, we've become extremely partisan and tribal, at least on the surface. But in reality, I don't know if we're really all that way. And that was the point of this piece. So joining us now to talk more about it, we have Daniel Vanier. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. It's my my great pleasure. It sounds like you should have co-written the piece with us. <laughs> you know what? I, I just think, you know what, at, at, as I was reading, I was like, yes, yes, these guys are absolutely right. You know, um, and first of all, the way you wrote it, tr- tying it to something that I think is readily accessible to so many Canadians, you, you, you make it into an analogy about hockey, which I think is perfect. Uh, well, that was my friend Peterson's idea. We're both old hockey players, and uh, we played at a competitive level. We love the sport. We love our teams. Uh, but I think most of us, and I'm, I'm talking about most of us, I think most Canadians are reasonable, uh, well-grounded people. And uh, we've been obviously active in politics. I ran and I got my, my posterior handed to me uh, when after Michael Ignatieff asked me to run. I've always been interested in public policy, and so has, and so has Rick. And we've always been interested in service. But our country has always come before our partisan affiliations. And I think most of us, when I say most, again, most Canadians are the same. Mm-hmm. What, what we've had trouble with, is you know the increasing polarization, and we're worried about it on the left and the right. You know, oh, yeah. on the left, uh, on the left, you know, uh, you've got people who believe that we should be banning cutting trees and therefore gutting the forest industry and shutting down the oil industry in its entirety, no pipelines, and you know, who, who put identity politics above all else, and that business is bad. On on the on the right, and I'm talking about the extremes here. You know the conspiracy theories and the QAnon cranks and the racism and anti-Semitism that you see, the you know anti-gay, anti-abortion stuff, the social conservatism. All government is bad. Uh, you know I I don't believe, and I think the, the the data shows that most of us are simply not on either pole. Uh, we're kind of in in the mm-hmm. middle, and uh, you know we we you know believe in smart spending. We believe in free enterprise, but with guardrails. Uh, we believe in collective responsibility, and uh, we believe in as a society, uh, government's role of helping those who don't who aren't able to help themselves and who need a lift. We believe in a strong military. We think that. Uh, uh, there should be a balanced policy towards climate, but not one that guts entire industries and turns, for example, Alberta into a global pariah, for goodness sakes. Uh, we believe in the rule of law and fairness and e- equal opportunity, but not survival as, uh, of the fittest, which is more akin to the culture of our friends and families uh, uh, south of the border. That's just not us. And I don't think that uh, there's a voice, there used to be, but the voice of the sensible center, the people in the middle, uh, is being lost in the in the white noise and toxicity of our current politics, which is also amped up by social media. 
and amplified in a way that we've never seen before. And we're kind of hoping that we could kind of tone it down and bring the discussion back to areas where we believe we have an awful lot in common. And there's more than uh, more that unites us and divides us. I agree with you, and I think you're right. I think the vast majority of Canadians recognize that, yeah, there is more that unites us than divides us, but I think a lot of us, the perception of the environment, and I don't know if it's social media, I don't know what it is, but I think a lot of us have the perception that it's not that way. That if you're someone who isn't yelling and screaming about this or that, or on the polar opposites, as you said, you're, you're, you're the outlier because it seems like it is that divided. Do you agree? I, look, I agree completely, and it's what what it's what worries me and worries Rick, uh, worries a lot of us, I think. And I think that uh, unless it's checked by people like you, <clears throat> frankly, uh, and us, and uh, unless we make our voices heard, we're in danger of this culture, this political culture, being entrenched uh, because I think it's artificial. Uh, yeah, I, I think some politicians and political strategists do this, engage in wedge politics, divisive politics, yeah. in, in order to snatch up every possible vote they can. Their job is to is to divide and conquer, literally, in electoral terms. And that means doing what is necessary to capture your vote. And if it means uh, generating uh, anger so that someone will vote for you and against someone else, that's what we'll do, and it creates it creates a polarization that uh, and a tribalism. The word that you've used is exactly right. That is almost immovable, and that worries the hell out of us. When we take a look at the politicians, and I and I, I heap a great deal of blame on the politicians who who pander to this kind of politicking. I think it's it's based, it's elementary. It, is the reason because it's. I'm motivated. I mean, like you say, when you've got somebody who's angry, they're far more motivated and they're far more likely to be a strident supporter and actually go out to the polls. I mean, those votes, I mean, all voters are the same, but are those votes a little less equal and a little little better if you're a politician to have that kind of person in your base? It's, it's, all, it's all about vote counting, shape. Right, so uh, the idea, if you, if you enter politics, you know, I ran for office and I've been involved. Um, uh, it's all about trying to find, identify, uh, and this, in this age of micro-targeting, you could, it's practically a science now. You know where the votes are. You know what messages to convey to get them or to prevent them from voting for the other guy. And that's the name of the game. So, uh, you know, it's not about appealing to our better instincts. It's not about no. you know, trying to empower your better angels. It's literally about uh, uh, scratching the ugly underbelly to get every single possible vote. So uh, I, I think the incentives are there, and it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle. You know, if you, if you attract, if the kind of people that run for office and that are in office do this, uh, as a normal day at the office, as part of their doing business, then that's the kind of people that uh, you will attract, and it and it gets stronger and more fortified and amplified. Uh, but uh, so, I, look, I I can't pretend to offer uh, a great solution yeah. other than to talk about it uh, and to hopefully attract uh, decent people in the public office who who run for the right reasons. Uh, but, uh, you know, the polarization is dangerous. The populism that we see 
is I think a, I think a function of people on the fringes, left and right, being fit up uh, and being uh, concerned that their voices aren't being heard, paid attention to, and discarded. Uh, so, you know, there's, I mean, it's, it's a complex problem. It's one made much more difficult by the social media environment sure. that we're in. And, you know, the, 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 the massive issues that we've been dealing with uh, as a, as a country and as a, and as a, as, as a, as citizens of the world, uh, you know, people are worried it's affecting their pocketbooks. It's affecting their health. And, you know, they spend too much time uh, paying attention to this stuff, and it's getting them upset. And Daniel, part of the problem, I think, uh, is when you have uh, po- uh, politicians who are so focused on identity politics and issues that really don't resonate with most people and most people don't care about and want more from their elected officials. Honestly, they do. They, 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 we're talking about climate change this morning. We've got war in Europe. We've got inflation through the roof. There's all kinds of things going on, a pandemic, for God's sake. And, and, and we're arguing about nonsense that I think most people don't really care about. It really limits what we can do in terms of nation building and being you know, involved in projects around the world and in our country, because we're tied up with yelling and screaming at each other about nothing. Again, I couldn't agree with you more. I was expecting a debate with you, but I'm not getting one. <laughs> no, sometimes uh, but, we agree. <laughs> yeah, look, the the uh, yeah, a perfect example is the discussion on uh, on on pronouns. Right. So he, she, right. if what? Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's nonsensical. Most of us really, if if you want to be called it or she or he. Okay, no Great. problem. Yeah, but we don't have to. We don't have to make it a massive public debate. Right. Uh, a people's sexual identity. Frankly, from my point of view, God bless you. Who cares? Exactly. You can be whatever you want to be and sleep with <laughs> whoever you want to sleep with and love whoever you want to love. But you know, my kids uh, and most of us have far more significant issues to deal with that require a lot of attention and serious thought and debate and action. And, uh, you know, it's not for me, and I don't want to engage in this kind of conversation, but people engage in it because it's a hot-button issue. It, it, uh, it's a, an emotional one for many people. It gets them angry on both sides of the equation, and that's the reason why uh, we, we, we uh, perpetuate this kind of you know, senseless discussion at the expense of what's really important. And we lose sight of it. We, we lose sight of it. So it's it's not productive. It's corrosive, not only to our our, our politics, but to our unity as a people and a country. It, take a look at the truckers that descended on Ottawa. No one would have an issue with people going to Parliament Hill to protest. No one, zero. It it, it became it became an issue when uh, uh, two reasons when uh, the citizens of Ottawa were minding their own business, uh, were, lives were disrupted, and two, when a lot of Canadians thought, well, where's the law here? Where's the rule of law? Uh, these folks are breaking the law, they're flaunting it, and they're calling for the overthrow of the government. You've got SWAT stickers being waved around. Uh, yeah, that just doesn't feel right to us. And it didn't feel right to most people. Now, uh, uh, a protesting, if you're an anti-vaxxer, protest, fine. If you're an anti-masker, fine. But and there's room, and there has to be room for that kind of thing in a democratic society. But uh, you know, we, we also agree that with rights comes responsibility. 
And uh, we often forget that, that there is no, we don't have God-given rights without the responsibilities, because we, uh, the rights that we have, we give them to each other as a society, as a compact. And that's balanced against the responsibility for us to treat each other with respect and with care and with dignity. And uh, in this environment, we forget it. And that's to our collective detriment. We, we all lose when yes. uh, uh, when that happens, and when the tone and the tenor and the substance of our national conversation descends to a level where we're yelling and screaming at each other about marginal issues that, at the end of the day, don't make a difference to our collective well-being. Daniel, it's not just me that agrees with you. I could read you a bunch of texts from listeners like this one. Excellent guest. We need more people to have these level-headed thought processes. Um, A lot of people, what you had to say resonated with them, so I'm really glad you came on to uh, expand on it with us. And uh, and We couldn't debate because I agree with you too much on this, Daniel. Well, look, it's lovely of you to reach out, uh, and and thank you for reading the piece and uh, bringing it to the attention of your listeners. Uh, It's really good of you. Yeah, great. Thanks so much, Daniel. I really appreciate your time. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you. That is Daniel Venier, who, as I say, I mean, he, he's not just come to this lately, this sort of centrist view of the world. He um, <laughs> he was a senior advisor to three cabinet ministers in Prime Minister Brian Mulroney's government and then ran for the federal liberals uh, in British Columbia in an election. So, um you know, I, I, those are the kind of voices that I think if we have an opportunity to bring onto the show, I, I love to do it because it's sort of in much better words, much more eloquently than I could do. Um, he said exactly what I've tried to say on this show many times is I understand the draw of that us versus them politics. And I know that we have some really, really adept politicians who play that and some quote unquote alternative media outlets and social media. I mean, uh, there's a whole ecosystem around making sure that a lot of people are angry at each other all the time. Why? Because then you're engaged and you're getting clicks, you're getting votes, you're getting money. It, it's a good little racket. And what we have to do is not let ourselves get sucked into that. I mean, for a while I thought, okay, politicians, we're going to, we're going to run up to a point where politicians say, you know what, this isn't, it works for me, but it's detrimental to society and to my province or my country or whatever the case may be. So I'm not going to do it. You know, I'll personally take a step back, recognizing that it's destructive and not a good way to go on. That ship has sailed. I've lost faith in that. The politicians aren't going to bail us out on this. And I'm not saying all politicians, but you know, which ones I'm talking about. Um, so it, it, it comes to us to not get into that because the only ones who win in these kinds of situations are the politicians. If you've got, and I see it on the text line constantly, all day, every day. I mean, we're having this discussion about how we have more in common and we agree with each other and, you know, it, it, we need to get rid of the partisan tribalism. And I'm getting texts from people saying, yeah, well, Trudeau did this and Trudeau did that. Oh, I hope Notley hears this. The UCP are the worst. I mean, you just immediately default to coming out of your corner and fighting for your tribe. That's what needs to stop. But it's hard. I, I get it. But if you're in that camp where you're entrenched, where, you know, if, if, you, if you call Jason Kenney Bumbles or if you call Jason or call Justin Trudeau True Dope, to me, that means you're, you're locked in. You are locked in. And, you know, uh, you don't the, the parties don't have to worry about you anymore you you're you're put away to the side they don't have to deal with you you're you're one way or the other and your voice is, doesn't matter because you're locked up 
you know, it's, it's blind allegiance and that benefits them and nobody else. So I don't know, more voices like Daniel, uh, more talk, because then we can actually focus on the things that matter. We get wrapped up in nonsense that really who cares?